Thank you for that. That's uh, perfect. All of our songs have led right up to where we are. I'd like to introduce our guest speaker today, me. My, as I said, my name is John Haas, and one of the things that I like to do, and luckily I only have to do it about once a month, is to write stuff up and try and make something out of it into a little story that we can uh, share. And of course we heard about give yourself to love and we deserve love and we're enough. And these are kinds of things that help me and I found this image and I just loved it because when I look in the mirror I'm always a little surprised at what I might find there. And so I found this image and I said, oh look, you could be anything you want. You can just look with the eyes of love and see what you want to see. So today it's um, the last of the month and this month was about uh, vulnerability and today I wanted to talk about the power of vulnerability and for some of us that might sound a little bit like an oxymoron uh, but vulnerability it calls us to be who we are. It calls us to have and say and be. So it has the promise to create space for others so that they can also let down their guard. They can be who they are. And it holds the possibility for creating an exciting adventure of transformation. Oh, but wait a minute. Not all of us are ready for change. In fact, we might not even like change because there's this thing called homeostasis, if you remember it. It says, I want to stay just where it is. Even if it's something that's not so great for you, sometimes we keep doing it. And if it's something really great, we want it to last forever. And somehow life has it, the change happens. So we can choose to ride this surf or be at the effect of the universe and feel like we're being swirled around. If any of you have ever been body surfing and you get swirled around, so you're either riding the wave or you're at the effect of. So today we're going to talk about how vulnerability might help us. So it begins though with an honest look at ourselves and a say that we are able to let down the guard that we've actually, believe it or not, check, check inside, see if this is true, we've been trained not to be vulnerable. I know when I was a kid, I grew up and I was rewarded to learn, to be good, to put away the dishes, to do this, to do that, right? You are rewarded to not show up necessarily as who you are, but who those around you want you to be. Now, if you're lucky, it turns out that they're one and the same. But I think that that's like really rare, really rare. And when I was a kid, vulnerability was a word that indicated weakness. So I was sitting one day at the lunchroom, and we had a separate segregated table for those that brought their lunch in the little brown bag. Mostly it was peanut butter and jelly because I grew up uh, making peanut butter jelly sandwiches for so long. Welch's grape, I'll admit it. Um, and I'm sitting there, and up comes one of my classmates, along with a couple of his big bully friends. They come up and says, I'm calling you out. 
And of course, being called out is the moral equivalent of a slap with a glove, saying, a duel to the death. <laughs> but we're in middle, uh, middle school, and he says, you're going to have to fight me this Friday night at the football game. Now, if my thinking was correct, I would have known better. But I said, well, I'm sorry, I'm not sure my schedule is going to allow that. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, I rarely went to the football games on Friday night, so it was really an empty threat. But I was worried because he was going to hound me until he, you know, called me out and we had to have a fight. And amongst junior high school boys, I don't know about girls, it's a matter of honor. If you've been called out, even though out is not your name, <laughs> it means at some point you're going to have to pay the piper. We knew nothing about vulnerability as a power. The only thing we had was a perspective of that current life. We didn't know about the life lessons that were coming, right? How could we? So we saw it through a very narrow lens. And we were expected to remain in control, do what was supposed to be done, and if you need to get scuffed up and maybe punched a little bit, well, that was just the price of being a kid. Well, now, fast forward, and I can see vulnerability from a different lens now, uh, having experienced a little bit of life. And earlier this month, if you remember, uh, at the beginning, uh, Reverend Tom Catlin uh, told us about the thesis of love, its antithesis, fear, and the synthesis of those two that created or held the possibility of creating life-changing transformation. And so that was a great lead-in to the month. And then just a week or so ago, yeah, two weeks ago now, Rev. Kath, uh told us a couple of great stories about vulnerability and how it changed her life or her, the way she viewed life. Because after all, we have a hard time as small humans changing the entire universe at once. However, we have the power to change the way we view the universe and its happenings if we do the teaching that says, as we think, so shall it be. So there's a researcher and storyteller named uh, Brene Brown, and uh, uh, she has a book called The Power of Vulnerability. And she has a 2010 TED Talk, and if you haven't watched it, I uh, invite you to it and you'll join the other five million people that have watched the talk. But she states in her talk, connection is why we are here. Connection is why we're here. And she says it's in our neurobiology. It's hardwired. We can't oppose it. And the only people for whom that's not true actually can't have any human interaction at all their wiring has gone wrong or was never there. So she states that love in the English language is the epitome of this connection. And so we've heard that all morning long. You know, love yourself, love the other, uh, be able to share that, and it's all about connection. 
So if we look at vulnerable you, you can look at it with one lens, or I invite you to look at it as the power and possibility of navigating through life wide open, heart wide open. Now, what is the journey towards this understanding? Well, it begins a little bit by trying to define, well, what do we really mean by this concept of vulnerability? Because sometimes things get in our way. Uh, sometimes we don't know what step to take. Sometimes we don't know, is this the right thing to say? Is it the wrong thing to say? Uh, should I yes? Should I no? But if we can embrace it not as a weakness, but as a strength, and act that way, then we can create connections, and those connections have the possibility of not only changing those people that we have around us a lot, but by example, changing how other people see their way of connecting in the world. So it's key. If we look that way, then this vulnerability can be a building block for getting what we want. Now, our founder, Ernest Holmes, said, we are to view ourselves each in the other and behold God in all. So think of that. You're sitting on the park bench. A stranger comes up sits down. You don't know anything about them, but we can see each other in that moment, and we can interact, create connection, or we can sit separate little islands in the universe. My mother is one that would engage with anyone at the drop of a hat, suddenly telling them more about things than we often heard as kids. We didn't know that <laughs> if you eavesdrop on the park bench. So we should view ourselves in each other. And this is sort of like namaste, right? The divine in me sees the divine in you. So he invites us to look that way, and then the world is different. So this points right to the heart of the matter. And Brene Brown speaks because as a social worker, now with a bachelor's, a master's, and a PhD, she has studied and received thousands upon thousands of letters of people telling, them about, telling her about their story, their story of vulnerability, their story of change and transformation. And she said, love is not something we give or get. It is something we nurture and grow, a connection a connection that can only be cultivated between people when it exists already within. Because we can only love others as much as we love ourselves. So if you're holding something against yourself, guess what shows up? You see the other person is, well, they're probably just as bad as I am. And the verse says, as we sow, so shall we reap. So as we see others lovingly, we receive love back. It's this virtuous cycle that we're taught over and over again. 
because guess what? We all fall down. Well, that's okay. We'll just get back up and do it again. So how do I go about transitioning? From all those years of practicing protecting myself, of being able to show up just the way I'm supposed to, I don't know about you, but it was too easy to find fault with myself. Sometimes I'm a great critic, and I say, oh, when something goes wrong, I say, oh, man, I should have done something different. I shouldn't have stuck my nose in it. Or other times I said, I should have said something. I knew I should have said something. Or you say something, and you say, oh, I should have said something different. <laughs> right? Because we always are second-guessing this universe and saying, if only I had done something just a little bit different, then the universe would have changed completely. But the reality is, although we're very, very powerful, we don't control everything. Surprise? Have you noticed? Sometimes other people do their thing regardless. And sometimes they're more concerned about them, surprisingly, than about you. You know, you're in a conversation and the person is talking and then finally they pause and they say, so what do you think about me? <laughs> so to be humble, to be kind. Remember that song? It starts out, it, it invites the courage to open up to this human condition this way that we've been taught that maybe hasn't served us so well. So vulnerability comes in so many different contexts. I don't know about you, but I've found it in so many different ways. For instance, when we parent, if you've been a parent, or if you've been close to another parent, or if you had parents, then you realize how important it is to own your own things. Because little kids, you know, they look up to their parents, and they don't know any better, and they think their parents, oh, are perfect. They're these enormous beings, and they have all the power in the world, and they think, when I grow up, I want that power to say, because I told you so. <laughs> when my sons were studying, and they might ask a question, I might know the answer, or I might not. But I had one of those Encyclopedia Britannicas that took three shelves. And so we could look it up. And then as time went on, we could actually just look it up on the internet, the great encyclopedia in the sky. And I'd say, good question or good problem. Let's look it up. And so I taught them that sometimes you'd find an answer and you go, well, that answer, I'm not sure if I believe. But at least it gives you a lot of answers. And of course, today, we get to see all sorts of things with this new technology that we're seeing. And in fact, this talk was written by ChatGPT. <laughs> so I have to go back to my notes. <laughs> Just kidding. But there is an author, and he's the first one now to make as his co-author ChatGPT. So he submitted a, an article. It was published and accepted through uh, peer review, uh, and he admitted it. So uh, that's good. <laughs> that good. 
So Mark Nepo is another one of my favorite writers, if you don't know him. He's got a thing called The Book of Awakening. And so it's a daily reader, and every day there's a little story, and oftentimes a poem either by himself or someone that inspired him. And he uh, went through and recovered from cancer, but it made him realize the vulnerability in being human, of having a condition that he didn't ask for. And he realized, well, I can go ahead and I can be pained by this forever and I'm always gonna be a victim. Or he chose instead to say, you know what? This was my opportunity to now care more about life, to really see life in a new way, to see the beauty that's out there every day because I don't know what's around the corner. And he said, vulnerability is the courage to be soft and open enough until the light starts to heal that part of us that is wounded. So if we open our hearts enough, if we have the courage to be with our vulnerable, soft selves, we have the possibility of healing all of those old wounds and not being at the effect of them, but instead seeing them in a new light and saying, boy, that was my opportunity. I'm going to take the opportunity now. I can't rewrite what has happened in the past in history, but guess what? I can rewrite the way that I feel about it, the way that I am about it, and I can say, you know what? Today's a beautiful day. I'm getting on with it. I'm not going to be stuck in that old story. Because he supposes that each person has their very own demons and secrets and fears and strengths. And they oftentimes say, well, if they knew that about me, I'm not sure they'd be so happy with me. Because that's the ultimate thing that we're shamed about, is that there's some secret that God's calling. <laughs> some secret, let us know what the secret is. Because we fear rejection. We fear that connection might be broken. We fear that maybe we won't be accepted just the way we are. Just showing up. And so we've learned how to put on these masks. One mask for this event and another mask for this. And then a mask behind the mask. But guess what? If we accept ourselves in our vulnerable, soft self, then others can accept us as well. Now, for several years, I served as the interim dean across the, the way at the College of Security and Intelligence. And we had search committees meet to found some great candidates. And for some reason, um, of course, the decision was above my pay grade. I, I was interim dean. I couldn't assign my own successor. At one point, I even threw my own name in the hat. And then I realized, nope, I'm taking it. I'm, I'm not going to do that again. That was a mistake. And so for the third year in a row, in the spring, the chancellor came to me and said, would you be interim dean again? <laughs> and I'm thinking, do I really need this? I'm not sure this is what I want to do. 
So I consulted with myself, <laughs> self. <laughs> and part of the equation was, well, if not me, then who? I'd been there for a while, and I knew the ropes, I knew the people, and so I could represent the college. But I was thinking, a whole nother year, and will they, will they actually succeed in their, in their search? Because in the meantime, they'd found a chancellor, a vice chancellor, a dean for the, uh, another college. Well, what's so special about the College of Security and Intelligence other than the fact that it is the first and only college of security and intelligence in the country. <laughs> and so they wanted somebody who was perhaps ex-military, somebody in the intelligence business, somebody that would move to Prescott, somebody would take the pay that they're going to pay. I accepted it, and this set off a set of uh, events that I would have never been able to predict because some of my colleagues were not very happy that I was, for the third time, going to be interim dean because they felt that by being interim, we're just not getting what the college needs. And there is this federal law that says that you can anonymously accuse somebody of something. And because August had not come, it's an uneven playing field. I don't get to know who's accusing me. I get to see of what. And so it weighed heavy on me, and I decided, well, what does this all mean? And I thought, you know what? I am going to go to the new chancellor who had just joined uh, the campus, and I was going to resign. Little did I know that she also had in her mind, she wanted to name a new interim dean. So we went to the same meeting, both of us with the same intention, both of us saying, do you want to go first? Do you want to go first? <laughs> I said, I'll go first. You know, um, I'd like to resign as uh, interim dean. And she goes, oh, great. I have a new person. No downtime. I left the office. I'm no longer interim dean. And they've already got somebody who's ready to step up and take the job. Yeah. Yay. And so that vulnerability, that realization that, you know what, this is not for me. It all worked out. So that was, that was great news. Brene Brown uh, says that the courage to show up when you can't control the outcome is what we need. The courage to show up when you can't control the outcome. So as we look at this in treatment, we often do something like that. We say this or something better. So if you're ever faced with something, you can say, I want this, or something even better that I can't imagine because I'm little me, but the universe, it has an infinite number of possibilities that could occur, so why not go for something better? Marianne Williamson, who's, I believe, running for president, again, says in her book, A Return to Love, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we were powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. It is our light that most frightens us. Counterintuitive, isn't it? 
But that's the kind of thing that allows us to really live fully. So to be alive is to be vulnerable. To be in relationship is to be vulnerable. To be in community is to be vulnerable. Power, possibility, transformation can only occur when we are willing to bring our wholeness to this thing called life. We ought to bring our whole self. So let's start living that life that's full of possibilities, a life that is lived out loud, letting our light shine. So here's an affirmation that you can take home with you when you say, I step into the power and possibility that vulnerability brings. I step into the power and possibility that vulnerability brings. Let's take that into prayer. So I recognize right here, right now, there's only one thing going on. This power, this presence, we call it God, we call it good. But by any name, it holds us, it surrounds us, it acts through us. These words that I speak, the fears that I have, the joy that I experience, it's all right here, right now, because there is only one. And since there's only one, it's here with us now, in the seats, it's here with the words spoken, the ears that are listening. So I know that the power and possibility of vulnerability is ours today. We get to choose it. Or we can choose something different. This or something better. Because I know that as I show up with a smile on my face, as I show up breathing in the fresh air, as I show up exploring and loving the light and the birds and the green of the spring, I know all is well. Mm. I'm just so grateful for this teaching, for this knowing, for this community, for the music that we have, the friendship we share. And I just send these words of power and possibility into the action of love and law, knowing it is already done. And if any of these resonate with you, join me in saying, and so it is.